Locked on Badgers Friday, November 22nd. I cannot wait for today's show. You are locked in to Locked on Badgers right here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Big football day tomorrow as we get ready for Senior Day in Madison, Wisconsin. I can't wait to see you know these seniors go out with a bang. I, I know it's going to be special tomorrow to see these guys and also to see Jonathan Taylor in what is possibly his last game in Madison. More on that in just a little bit. At the end of the show, though, I have to get you caught up on the craziest thing. I'm only 20 years old, right? So like, let, let's I'll, I'll calm down with the hyperbole and all that. But it's the craziest thing I've seen in my very, very, very short time of covering sports you know, at press conferences. It's the craziest thing I've seen in a press conference over the last two years of, of going to them. It was Greg Gard yesterday talking about the NCAA and Micah Potter. More on that at the end of the show. My name is Asher Lowe, the sports director here at WSUM 91.7 FM Madison. I'm a contributor at BadgerBlitz.com and a play-by-play broadcaster for many Badger sports, including basketball, football, but most importantly, I am your host right here on Locked on Badgers, a podcast bringing you the inside student perspective filled with stats, special guests. We got a great special guest next week who was one of the seniors playing in the game. Don't want to give anything away, but we have a senior starter coming on the show next week. Cannot wait for that. And we also cover all things Badger basketball and football. Listen and follow for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and of course you can play Locked on Badgers on your smart speakers by saying play podcast Locked on Badgers, we're starting with football, of course, with tomorrow being senior day for Wisconsin against the Boilermakers of Purdue. 13 seniors tomorrow, going to be honored before the game. Some notable names for you. Zach Bond, who has just been a game wrecker this year for opposing offenses, the senior leader for this Wisconsin defense in his last game at Camp Randall. A.J. Taylor, who had a 50-plus yard touchdown Last week against Nebraska, that really turned that game around. And a guy that's just a guy that I I know personally, and it's just like a really really solid person, just a great guy to be around. Always a guy that gives me the time of day, you know, as a media member, always willing to talk, always respectful, just a great person. And so I'm so happy for him, and he'll be honored tomorrow. David Mormon, offensive lineman for Wisconsin, key of that key key player in that line. And then I gotta say, I'm biased because I just I just love the guy so much as a person. But Chris Orr, his success is so deserved this year. I just want to say that. His his success this year, an undersized guy, a guy that wasn't recruited heavily out of high school in Texas, a guy that came in with a chip on his shoulder, has never lost that chip, and just plays hard every single snap, no matter who he's playing, when he's playing, what the score is, a guy that you want to root for, and an infectious personality in the locker room and in the media room after the game. Just a guy that gravitates you towards him. He just has this aura about him, and I'm so happy for him and the year he's had for Wisconsin. It's been so fun watching him play. So 13 seniors tomorrow. Those are some of the names among them. Many others, Zach Hintz, Anthony Lottie, just to name a few. Wisconsin tomorrow playing without Bryson Williams. He's really the only key member of this Badger squad who is on the injury report tomorrow that we don't already know about, of course. Bryson Williams... Nose tackle has started multiple games for Wisconsin this year, and Wisconsin struggled without him on the defensive line last year, struggling to stop, or last week, excuse me, not last year, struggling to stop the run against Nebraska, both the run, the running threat of Adrian Martinez, the dual threat quarterback from the state of California, but also stopping the run game through Nebraska's running backs. And, you know, it was, the defensive line was probably the weakest part of Wisconsin's defense last Saturday. And, of course, missing 
a guy like Bryson Williams and starting a, a guy that's inexperienced in Keanu Benton, who played well at times, but his inconsistency really a result of his inexperience at times on the defensive line. So we'll see what Wisconsin does against the run tomorrow. That'd be something I'd watch. But as I'm about to get to, Purdue not exactly a threat on the ground, so I wouldn't worry about it too much against the Boilermakers tomorrow. This is also the last time, and I'm going to go on record in saying that I think this will be the last time. I'm going to go and basically state it as a fact, because I would be more than shocked. Shocked is not not a word I can even use to describe what I would be if Jonathan Taylor returns to Madison for a senior year. I think it'd be a ridiculous move. And of course, would you love it as a fan? Would you love it as a, a person that covers and watches Wisconsin football? Of course you would. But is it the best move for Jonathan Taylor? No, no, it's not. And as we're about to get to with the Micah Potter situation, the only thing that really matters here is the player and the player being affected. And you know how much money he's made in his time in Madison as a football player? Zero dollars because that's how the NCAA works. And like I said, more on the NCAA later in the show today. But Jonathan Taylor with a running back position that is statistically the position where people have the shortest career in the NFL, he's not coming back. So this is this is and by the way, that, that short career is two and a half years is the average for a running back. And there's so many factors to that based on the way the position is played, the amount of hits you take, the fact that many people feel that it's almost a replaceable position. A lot of the time, you hear people say, okay, the top five, ten running backs in the league, I get it. They're, you know, they're a step ahead. The Christian McCaffrey's of the world, the Le'Veon Bell's of the world, they're a step ahead. But we can replace you if you're not at that level. And so the career is short, and I think Taylor will be a special NFL running back in the category of the players I just mentioned. I really do think he has that potential. But he's got to go. He'll go. And this is the last time we will see him on the Camp Randall field in all likelihood. And he's going to have a day. I'm letting you know right now he is going to have a day. He is primed for a special day. Wisconsin offensively against Purdue looking at what they are going to be able to do tomorrow. Jonathan Taylor in two games against the Boilermakers, 540 total yards. Yeah, that's big time. And that's, that's big time numbers even for JT. So... Purdue giving up 172 yards on the ground this season. They've been riddled with injuries that we'll talk about in just a bit, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But I've had some defensive injuries as well. And the Boilermakers coming in at 4-6, and six, they are going to struggle to stop JT as they have for the previous two years. Wisconsin defensively against Purdue, the Boilermakers really present a one-dimensional attack offensively. They average nearly 300 passing yards a game, and they average just around 77 rush yards a game. Jeff Brom's team, head coach of the Boilermakers, Coach Brom's team has been riddled with injuries, and that's putting it lightly. They are on their third quarterback of the year, Aiden O'Connell. This guy didn't even start for four years in high school. He didn't start for two years in high school. He only started for a single season in high school, Aiden O'Connell, the walk-on. But hey, he let a game-winning drive against Nebraska give the kid some serious credit. I say kid, he's basically my age, but give him some serious credit. He's actually probably older than me. Yeah, he is. But he led Purdue to a win, a win that has been few and far between, only four and six, as I mentioned. This Boilermaker team struggling for offense, but they do it all through the air. And to have a quarterback, their third quarterback of the year, Elijah Sindelar started the year as this team's starting quarterback. They broke his clavicle against Minnesota, and then you have Jack Plummer stepping in against Nebraska, breaking his ankle in the Nebraska game, but Aiden O'Connell leading this Boilermaker team to a win. So we'll see what he can do against Wisconsin. This defense is going to play well. This defense is going to shut down Purdue 
almost shut out Purdue. I think Purdue will get on the scoreboard at some point, but a shutout is definitely in the cards tomorrow with Wisconsin looking to shut down a one-dimensional offense with a walk-on quarterback. Of course, very important tomorrow, no injuries to this defensive group. We'll see if Wisconsin is winning this game by the amount of points I expect them to be winning by, how long starters maybe stay in in that second half, because of course with the biggest game of the year, really the biggest rivalry game in the Axe we've had in years between Wisconsin and Minnesota looming next Saturday. We'll see how long Coach Christ would elect to stay with the starting defensive group, especially given a score that could be out of hand within the first half. And I wouldn't be surprised if it is, based on the injuries that Purdue has had. They do get a guy back who's been injured for most of the year, Rondale Moore, who had a fantastic freshman year last year. You might remember over 1,200 yards through the air as a receiver last year, and he, he was just balling for this Boiler team. Only played in four games this year, though. Signs point to him playing tomorrow. So that's a big get for Purdue and for Coach Brom. So we'll see if he can make a difference. He's definitely the impact guy to watch for a Purdue team that will be without their first two quarterbacks in the depth chart to start the year for the Boilers. Predictions coming up in just a little bit about what I think will happen tomorrow, how it will go, who will have a big day, and it will be a great day for the seniors to be sent off the right way at Camp Randall. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Wisconsin Purdue tomorrow, 3 p.m. kick. Boy, I love to see that. It'll be almost a night game because the sun's going to go down around 4.30. One of those games that was like the Iowa game where it'll basically be a night game for the second half. So that'll be a lot of fun to be at the camp for that one. And you know you know which we love night games at the camp. Come on. It, 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 it's a different environment. It's a different vibe. I love it. I love the night game. I wish we had a true night game, though. And the reason you don't see a true night game at the camp this year actually has a lot to do with Paul Chris does not like them. Really against night games. Always has been. And really tries to get as little of them as possible. Has really succeeded in that this year. Predictions for this game tomorrow, though. It's all about the seniors. Chris Orr and Zach Bond are going to have massive days. They're going to have huge days. Why? Because they can rush the quarterback all day long when they know the run is not a consistent option for a Purdue team that averages 77 rush yards a game. One-dimensional offense screams danger for any team playing this Wisconsin defensive group. In fact, one-dimensional offense screams danger for anyone doing anything. Anything that's one-dimensional. Anytime, you know, you're completely one-dimensional in anything you do in life, it'll be pretty predictable. And people will figure it out real quick. And this Purdue team will be figured out by Wisconsin's defense real quick tomorrow because Chris Orr is going to come get a couple sacks. Zach Bond's going to have a sack or two. I expect sack totals to be high for this Wisconsin linebacker group. And the backers have gotten to the quarterback all year long. That won't change against the walk-on O'Connell. Wisconsin's going to run away with this early. JT... We could be looking at 250 tomorrow easily. We could be looking at 300 tomorrow. We'll just see how long he actually stays in the game because I don't think he'll crack 
some ridiculous record or anything. I think he'll finish with around 200 yards, which I, I say is like, I say it like it's pedestrian. I mean, because we kind of just expect it now from the best running back in college football, Jonathan Taylor. But in his last game at the camp, he's going to go out with the bang. I see him getting in the end zone multiple times. Let's go with a couple scores and 210 yards, give or take, for JT, only because he doesn't play that fourth quarter, in my opinion, because this game will be out of hand. I really just see nothing pointing to a trap game. I don't see the look-ahead factor you saw against Illinois that with Wisconsin looking ahead to Ohio, or they're looking ahead to Ohio State, or they're looking ahead. It's human nature. I mean, I get it. We look ahead to big things happening if, if you know, we can't always focus the same way on every single opponent in sports. I understand that, but this does not have the feel of a look-ahead game to me. The seniors aren't going to be looking ahead. They're, they're going to be living in the moment in their last time playing on the Camp Randall turf. This will be domination early, domination often. Wisconsin's going to win it in a near shutout, going away. Give me a score. Let's go 38-7. to Does that score sound familiar, by the way? 38-7 happened to be the margin that Ohio State beat Wisconsin by. We're not going to get into that right now. But, yeah, maybe that's why the margin was stuck in my head. Uh, but, yeah, 38-7, exactly the same score that the Buckeyes beat the Badgers by. But that will be Wisconsin on the opposite side of it tomorrow in a blowout win over Purdue that sets up the showdown of all showdowns. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I cannot wait for the Battle of the Axe. A lot of that, a lot of coverage on that. Some Badger players to talk about that. Some Hopefully we'll get some Minnesota people to talk about that as well next week. It's the game of the year for Wisconsin football. I thought Ohio State was the game of the year. Really, that was just an NFL team playing against a college team. No, next week, and Ohio State's an NFL. That, that's not a slight on Wisconsin at all. That just, that just shows you how good Ohio State is. But next week is a battle for the Big Ten West. Cannot wait for it. Wisconsin wins going away tomorrow. You'll see. Domination from JT. The seniors go out the right way. Coming up. I cannot wait to get into the craziest press conference moment I've ever seen. Wisconsin beat Green Bay yesterday at the Kohl Center, 88-70. The game was never close, and I called it for the WSUM sports stream. It was never close. It was 8 nothing after, you know, a, a minute and 10 seconds, and Coach Link Darner for Green Bay had to call a timeout. Wisconsin never trailed. They didn't play that well in the second half. They got outscored by four points in the second half, but they led 51-29 at halftime, put on an offensive shooting display, you know, that was uncharacteristic of the first two games for this team. But since that Marquette second half, this team has shot the ball lights out. Nate Rivers had 19 in 20 minutes. Why does my tone sound like this? Because the game wasn't the story yesterday. It just, it just wasn't the story. The story was Micah Potter and the NCAA. Despicable. I don't know how else to say it. And I actually can't say it as well as Greg Gard did yesterday in the press conference. So right now I'm going to play some of that for you. And being a kind of a rookie in this business, an admitted, an admitted rookie, I make rookie mistakes. So yesterday I did not put my recorder, my tape recorder up there at the presser. And of course I missed the greatest press conference moment. So thank you to my friend Jake Kokorowski at Badger Blitz who sent me the audio, so all credit to him for that, for saving my rookie mistakes. But here is Greg Gard on the Micah Potter situation. A quick background on it first before I play it. Micah Potter yesterday was denied in his final chance. This is a guy, by the way, that was at Ohio State last year, sitting out his full year by the NCAA rules, sat out a full year of basketball, came to Wisconsin technically last December, but of course sat out all year last year when he would have played with Ohio State had he not transferred, came to Wisconsin, 
expected to play at the beginning of this year after sitting out a full year. He sat out a whole year. And the NCAA said he had to sit out 10 more games after a lot of debate, a lot of talk. And the reason? I can't really tell you. There's no real good reason, no precedent for this. This is unheard of. He's a student-athlete, Mega Potter, who's acted perfectly throughout this whole thing. It doesn't make sense. It's not fair. And yesterday was the final hearing for Wisconsin. Barry Alvarez was involved. The whole university top brass were involved in trying to get Micah Potter reinstated. And the NCAA shut it down for one final time. So Micah Potter will not play until he serves a 10-game, not suspension, but 10-game holdout period before he's allowed to play in late December. And here's Greg Gard's thoughts on that from yesterday's press conference. The level of frustration has gone beyond anything I've ever experienced in almost 30 years of coaching. And really, I look back over 30 years, that's why, the reason why I got into this profession was to try to help young people and make their experiences and their lives better. Uh, unfortunately, during this scenario, as this has played out since June, um, we haven't done a good job um, as membership and as the organization that kind of heads that membership in the NCA of making a student-athlete's experience better. Um, it, Micah now will have sat, by the time he plays in mid-December, 47 games, 35 last year at Ohio State that he did not participate in, 12 here if you count our two um, preseason Iowa State scrimmage and lacrosse exhibition game. It's 21 months and three semesters. You find somewhere else that that has happened. This is unprecedented. And I, I can't, I have a hard time thinking that we stand up here and, like I said, we did all we could do from an institution standpoint. Katie Smith, Coach Alvarez, our administration, our compliance did everything we could do. Micah did everything he could do. Um, but to have this type of, um, and I'm going to go through the details of the play-by-play -play of the whole thing, but aren't we as a membership in the business of the human business, as I'll take one of the NCA's terms, of trying to make the experiences of the student-athlete better? This is doing a, and then the problem is with all my frustration and everybody's frustration, everybody's work that was put into this, that is irrelevant. The one that gets penalized in this the most is Micah Potter. And that's completely unfair um, to be able to have to sit this much and to, to do the things he did. He did it the right way. He stayed at Ohio State to try to finish, stay on track to graduate. He wanted to stay because his brother Noah was coming on the football team and he didn't want to make life rough for him coming in as a freshman when he was going to be there mid in January last year. But he found out it wasn't going to work, so he had to make a change. Uh, really what he didn't want to do. Um, and he did things the right way. And that's, that's what's so frustrating in, the, in all the things that go on in the NCAA today and across, across college athletics. See so many negative things. Micah Potter's a quintessential student-athlete. He's exactly what the NCAA should want representing them as student-athletes. It's an injustice, and it's an unprecedented injustice. And you just heard the thoughts of Greg Gard. I think that sums it up best. Micah Potter is the one hurt by all of this. And that's not fair. Micah Potter will not play until the end of December. He'll miss games against Indiana, miss, game, miss a game at North Carolina State. And he was practicing with the starters yesterday, by the way. So he would have started that game yesterday had that hearing gone differently. And it's not fair for Micah Potter. It's not fair for Wisconsin basketball, who has a big-time tournament setting next Monday and Tuesday at Barclays Center, then goes plays Indiana, then goes on the road to NC State. So it's a huge week, two weeks of basketball that he's missing. And it's not 
Fair. Wisconsin football, though, is going to make people a lot happier tomorrow. I have a feeling about that. So check it out, 3 p.m. Central, Wisconsin, looking to stay in the Rose Bowl hunt. What a special story that would be. It'll all come down, though, to next Saturday against Minnesota. I'm Asher Lowe, as always, on Wisconsin.